Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Amen. Afternoon, everyone. How's everyone doing? Everyone enjoy their extra hour in bed today? Yeah. For those of you who have small kids, you know you didn't really get your extra hour in bed. Um, so I hope you're enjoying your extra hour awake um, today. Um, it's brilliant being able to hear stories from Nathan and Louise. We're gonna be, I'm going to be referencing, talking about them later, just the great things that God's doing in their lives. Louise, um, but both of them have been part of our church, but Louise for a good few years has, was part of here, part of our kids' teams here in church. And it's beautiful just watching what God has done in their lives and is continuing to do in their lives as they've left from here and are going and bringing the kingdom uh, where they're at in their lives. A couple other really good stories. Um, Paul McElwain uh, and the guys Paul shared in the first service on, on uh, last week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and some of the schools in Portadown. Um, they, they just did some some programs, some work with the guys where they were just practically demonstrating the love of God. And last night, they put on an event. The, the practical demonstration of the love of God caused these young people to ask, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you loving us in this way? And they were able to open up conversations about God. Again, remember this because we're going to be speaking about this later. Last night, 160 of them gathered in Portadown for a worship event. People just in their own free will and eight of them gave their lives to Jesus last night, which is incredible. So... Some great things happening, isn't there? Um, I, I'm just going to just jump straight into this for time's sake today. Um, if you've been tracking along with us, you can listen up in podcasts and all those sort of things. But the last time I was here on this theme of unfailed faces, I started to take a little bit of a, a detour and meander in just a smaller subsection, just around this whole idea about the ministry of reconciliation. If you have Bibles with you today, we're going to be turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be looking there. I'm going to reference a little bit just in Colossians 1 at the start, but if you have 2 Corinthians 5 open, uh, we'll come into it. And, uh, and, and what, we've, what we've been trying to, to just show off this, um, just lead into this, has just been really looking about the heart uh, that Paul is trying to communicate to the church and to us. Last time I was here, two things that I really tried to pull out, uh, two first points from Colossians chapter 1. Firstly were this, if, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, someone that has invited Jesus into your, to your life, you want to begin a, a personal relationship with Jesus. The truth that Paul spoke in the words we read last time are simply this. We have been reconciled, right? This idea of reconciliation. This is the passage in Colossians chapter 1 we looked at the last time, verse 19 to 22. It's on the screens. You can follow along. It says this, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. We have been reconciled. Christ has reconciled us to himself is what we were saying. The last time I was here, just simply these couple of points, we looked at this word reconciliation. What it simply means is the restoration of friendly relations. That the 
the words that Paul uses here to describe what it actually means to be saved is crucial for us. There's a position that he talks about. He starts to say this, that for those who are in Christ, this is what it used to be for you. If you are, if you are someone who believes in Jesus and have invited him into your life, this is what it used to be. He says this, you once were away. This is past tense. You once were enemies. You once were separated from God. Yet now... He says there's a yet now moment. This is the truth of who you really are right now. Reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ on the cross. The cross has bought so much for us we saw the last time. And you know what? This is the reality of it. Being saved means this. We have not been saved into your religion, but we have been restored into your relationship. So much of what we want to do with our Christianity is that we want to make a religion out of it. We want to create religious practices and rules and guidelines about it so that it's almost like a box-ticking exercise. We have not been saved into a religion. We have been restored to relationship. This word, reconciliation, that we're going to be focusing on time and time again, and this is what we're calling other people to, is that we've been restored to relationship. If you know the God story, this is the most crucial thing, that at the beginning when God created the world, and we're going to be focusing on this, more today. When God created the world, one of the main designs and intent for mankind, and day six when he created human beings, the main thing, one of the main things he set us into was this idea we were created to be in relationship with our creator. I, I love science. I used, to, I used to be a biology teacher in school, right? It, I fully believe in creation. This was not a mistake. We were created by God and we were created to be in relationship. It was a choice. He created us to be in relationship with him. The thing that happened, if you're reading from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, was that sin came into the world and God being such a holy and such a just and such a righteous God cannot be in the presence of sin. So this sin that came upon Adam and then was inherent and each and every one of us was passed down from generation to generation. We were born with a stain of sin upon us is something that blocks relationship. You can see it. But Christ, who we have been celebrating and worshiping this morning, came and took on flesh and lived amongst us and lived the life of righteousness and holiness and then went to the cross and defeated sin and defeated death so that he could pay the price for our sins. When you've believed in Christ, Christ has taken your sin and now you're restored to relationship. This is what reconciliation is. The restoration of friendly relations is that definition. So here's the truth of it. To say you're a friend of Christ, it's a hard one to get your head around, but it's not that you're becoming friends with Christ for the first time. You're stepping back into what was originally the design upon your life. You've been restored to relationship. This was always God's heart for your life, and that's really crucial for us to grasp, the, 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 and that's the truth of what Paul says. So here's who you are. You're holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. The thing is, the second point we looked at last time was this, we must stand firm as they're reconciled. So briefly, this is all I said. There's a difference between um, your position and your assurance. We'll come back to the verse in a wee second. The difference between your position and your assurance. Paul says this, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The position that we just looked at is this, you once were far off, but now you are in Christ. You're holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Not because of anything good that you've done yourself that deserved it, but because of Christ, because of Jesus. That's why we've worshipped. That's why we've rejoiced in him this morning. It's why we've celebrated all that he's done and remembered it all because of him this is our position we are saved wholly before him but one of the things that affects our assurance to them we just looked at was this our actions firstly some things that we just let into our lives 
Not that it means that you are less saved, right? Or you're not holy in the eyes of God. You are. That's the, that is the position in which you are. But sometimes the assurance, even in our minds, of the confidence and the boldness that we have for that, there's things that can weaken it. This is why Paul says in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Sometimes when we don't listen to the will of God and the mind of God, we just end up doing things that aren't really that good, that aren't acceptable, that aren't perfect. And what it does is that it just it weakens our confidence. We end up with a, some rubbish guilt and shame on our lives that hasn't come from God. It's a tactic of the enemy. And so what we do is we start to step away. We think, oh, we can't really be in relationship with God and we step further and further away. And yet, because of the position that is so fully ours, we can step boldly into the throne room of grace. We can step boldly before God. This is what it means. So be assured, hold firm, stand firm, Paul says. And then last week, last week I looked at this. Even the words we speak can affect our assurance. We looked at this verse in Proverbs. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So be careful what you speak over your life. Declare truth over your life. You are saved. But that's, listen, we all know that verse in Timothy. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching. So those are the words of God. But yet the words of God that we've just read in Colossians chapter 1 says this. You are holy. You are blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So don't call yourself a sinner. It's not words of life. The words of life that you want to speak is the spirit-filled words that is in the pages of Scripture. You're holy and blameless as you stand before him. So declare that over your life. And then the other thing we just looked at was this. Sometimes what people do is that they end up speaking words of fear over their lives. There's something about in the assurance of who we are that we can be bold. The Bible says this, that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of boldness, power, and a sound mind or self-control, some of the translations say. This is something that we can be confident and bold with. And so one of the songs we sang last week was, Jesus, Jesus, you, you silence fear. And we just simply said this, while the kingdom of heaven wants to silence fear in our lives, sometimes what we do is we pick it up and we speak it out again. We just need to, we just need to stop doing that. Right? We need to stand firm, speak words of life, boldness and confidence, true in who we are. And this is why we need to do this. Because the final point I just want to land on today, and it's just one point we're just going to look at, is this. We have been reconciled. We stand firm as the reconciled simply because we now are messengers, are ministers of reconciliation. Right? So the very thing that has happened to us is now what we have been given the ministry of through God, right? So this is, this is a beautiful part of redemption. We're going to be looking a lot about redemption today, about how God in restoring us is now coming alive in us to bring other people alive, right? We are messengers of reconciliation. So if you have your Bibles open at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's just read this passage together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to 21, and it's going to be on the screen. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is beautiful words. Paul again, this is to a different church. So last time we read the letter to the church in Colossae, this one is to the Corinth church. But he reminds them of the fact that the position in which they now stand as Christians is this. Here we have it again. The old is gone, the new has come, the new is here. It's like what he said to the church in Colossae. So you once were this, but now you're this. The old is gone, the new has come. There's a position change here. This is what it is. And just as he does to to many of the churches that he seems to write letters to him. And do you know that verse we would read sometimes in Ephesians? In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, So for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that you could boast about it. It's not got actually anything to do with us. This position we stand in, we haven't done anything to merit it, but it's all been because of Jesus, only about him. And so even in this, in 2 Corinthians 5, the old is gone, the new has come. Listen to what he says next. All this is from God. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And, and the reason why I wanted to labor, just spend time, just a couple of minutes looking at that is because this is really important. It's one thing knowing that you're saved. It's one thing being able to say that you're reconciled, but it's so important that we understand why we are reconciled. Because if, as we go to look today, to carry out the ministry of reconciliation, understanding why you are who you are is important because it changes how you engage with other people. All of this has been because of Jesus. All of this has been about God and his kindness and his love and his mercy and his goodness for us and to us in our lives. And so as we engage with people, it's a bit of a game changer for us as we look at this. God gave us, this is what he goes on to say, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So when it firstly comes to embracing this ministry, remembering why you have been reconciled greatly affects how you share the message with others. In simple terms, knowing why you're saved greatly changes how you tell people of their need of Christ. So what, what it seems to have been, right, hear my reasoning on this, what it seems to have been over the years is that the way the church has engaged with people and how we've generally carried out our evangelism and listen, some people have had a really good heart with this. I'm not, I'm not saying this has been wrong. But how we have engaged as the church has been to stand at a distance and with pointed fingers to, to shout at people and declare messages that a lot of it was just all around the topic of judgment. So what seemed to be was that people would stand and would shout at people, you're going to hell. Now, Hear me, I, I fully believe in hell. I'm not downplaying it. I fully believe that there is a hell. The heart of God, though, that I read in the scripture is that he never once planned for any one person to go to hell. Hell and the lake of fire was something that was planned for the devil and the fallen angels, right? At the end of time, we read about that, that all of hell is cast into the lake of fire. It was never God's heart for mankind to go there, but the devil is trying to bring as many people with him. He knows the end game in this. It was never for him. But what it seems to have been with the church is that our posture when we evangelize has been with pointed finger that we shout and it also it almost comes across like it's in judgment right to people of you're going to hell right you need to find God because you're going to hell and what it comes across as is this this is what it seems to people it's almost like people feel this I that this is what the words they hear from the church I'm right you're wrong I'm good you're bad I'm better than you sort yourself out and yet Paul reminds us of why we are in the position we are in 
Paul reminds us of why we are able to call ourselves Christians. Nothing about our current position has anything to do with us being good or right or better. We've simply, by faith, accepted the free gift of salvation and returned to relationship once more with God. And so the posture of our evangelism, this is the main point. I could probably stop here, but I'll not. Right? The posture of our evangelism what we need to be doing is that rather than a, as the church with a pointed finger and almost shouting in judgment, the posture of our evangelism is one where we need to come alongside people in a, in a posture of relationship and get to know people, get to understand their story, be able to share with them our story, but in a hope and a heart that we would allow them to see all that God has created them to fully be all that God has made them to step into and to fully come alive in, all the love that God has for them, it's completely different from a proclamation of judgment when there's a proclamation of love and there's a proclamation of truth. Anna, let me show you and tell you all that God has for you in your life. It's completely different. And this is what the world is crying out for. In verse 20 of, of this, we read this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We, we need to understand how, how redemptive this language is because this in itself is a story of redemption. So we've been saved, but God just doesn't say, right, now you're saved. I just want you to come to church and warm a pew and then just get on with your life and do what you want. You see, when you're saved, you're saved to participate and be part of the kingdom family. And this is what he goes to say. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and it's completely redemptive in its language. And let me explain why. Our understanding of this word redemption seems to be in the, in the traditional church in Northern Ireland, and we, we love this thought of this because it's, it's really cozy and acceptable to us, is that we say a sinner's prayer, we've got our ticket to heaven, and then we just get on with life the way we want it. Right, and we're happy. Listen, we're happy. We're happy when there's security in our salvation. That that's, that sounds beautiful, doesn't it? But yet, redemption, the redemption of Christ, is so so much more than that. And what I want to do, just for, for one minute, well, it'll probably be two minutes, is is this? I, I want I want to just talk through what we understand by the story of redemption. Because listen to this. This is your story. This is where you find your story and the story of redemption. In the beginning, God created the world. You've seen me put this slide up on the screen a couple of times, but I'm passionate about this. In the beginning, God created the world. And when God created the world, he created it in a great way. At the end of each of the days of creation, he looked at what he had created and said, it is good. At the end of day six, when he had made mankind, he'd made us. He looked at it and said, it is very good. And God, when he had created at the beginning, he had some great plans and intentions for mankind and for the world. And what we need to know is this, God has never changed his intentions or his plans for mankind or for the world. That was what he always wanted for mankind. But what happened in Genesis chapter 3 was that sin came into the world. We looked at that earlier. Sin came into the world, and as a result of that, we have now fallen. Society, culture, the world is now in a, has been thrown into a state of chaos and disorder. It has fallen away from God's plan and intention for the world. But in Genesis chapter 3, 15, there was the first ever promise of a rescuer, a Messiah. His name was Jesus, who was going to come and who was going to redeem and restore all things unto the Father. This is the beginning of the process of redemption. But the thing we need to understand is that God was not caught off guard here. God is not sitting up in heaven scratching his head thinking, oh no, what do I do now? The devil's, the devil's got this one. You see, the Bible tells us this. There was a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. 
God already had Jesus' plan. But at this point in Genesis 3.15, there is a process of redemption that begins. Now hear this. This is the process of redemption that we are now part of and that we are now called into. In this process of redemption, what God does is that God starts to take culture and starts to take creation and starts to lead it closer towards his heart. You see the way the arrow is going up here? Starts to lead it closer back towards the blue line at the top, which was his original design for the world and for mankind. And so in the Old Testament, that's what this first arrow represents. I'm racing here, stick with me. In the Old Testament, what we see is that God, as a father of love, takes this culture by the hand starts to lead it closer towards his heart. We look back on some of those verses and some of the things that's written, and it seems totally regressive in comparison to where we are now. But into that culture, into that society, it was progressive. It was redemptive. It was leading it closer towards his heart. So that's why this hour is coming up. And then Jesus, the one who was promised the Messiah comes. He's born. He lives a life of ministry. And during his time of ministry, he declares the kingdom of heaven is here. It's present, it's with us, and starts to reveal more and more and more of all that God has for us and originally had designed for us. He reveals the Father, and he lives, and he dies, and he raises back to life, and then he ascends back to heaven. And at his ascension, this is the beginning and the birth point of the church, this next arrow. This is our part in the story, but here's the thing. When you step into this point of the story, it's still the story of redemption, God is still redeeming and reconciling all things to himself. We're going to see this this morning that how he wants to do it is through the church. It's through us. We have been saved and this is why we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's not just that we have been reconciled. It isn't that nice to have that security. Now we have been entrusted, some of the translations say, entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. Listen, one day Jesus is going to come back. He's going to wrap the whole thing up. We're going to see the kingdom fully lived out amongst us. There's going to be no more sickness, no more sin, no more death. He's going to wipe away every tear from the eye. It's going to be beautiful. But we are in the period of waiting for this. This is the story of redemption. This is where it fully comes alive for us as believers and how we get wrapped up into this. And here's the thing is that in redemption, this is what we are reminding ourselves and we're reminding creation and we are reminding people is that God wants to redeem you and God wants you to fully live into all that he had planned right back at the beginning in that first blue line. That was his original design for the world. That was his original intention for mankind. And it's still what his heart is for you. It's still what he wants you to experience. So some of the things that we've been restored to, I've already looked at this, restored to relationship. That was part of the original design for us. And so now we get to, we don't have to wait until eternity to come. This is part of the kingdom of heaven present with us right now. We get to experience relationship with God. It's great, isn't it? But yet, I'm not sure, was it Jiminy Cricket used to say that? But wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Because what actually we see is right back at the beginning as God created mankind is that God actually created mankind to partner with him. We were created to co-partner with God. When God created Adam and Eve and set them in the world, he created them to co-partner. One of the things that we read about in the Bible is this, is that we were made as image bearers of God. In his image, he made them male and female. He created them in his image. Right, We were image bearers of God. That word image that's there, it's, it's a Hebrew word, salem. And it means image, but it also means idol. It also means statue. Right, So it's where we see some of these things around the world. So some of us have been in Asia and different countries. And you see um, and the religions that are in those worlds, they have these idols that are placed outside their temples so that you can see a visible representation of what the invisible God looks like. That's what a statue is. 
And yet, this is what God speaks over mankind. In his image, Salem, he made them image bearers, almost like statues, people that would reveal the invisible God and make him visible. This is what he created man to be, that we would make him known and make him visible to the world. But how did he do that? We go on to see in Genesis chapter 2 that these image bearers, Adam and Eve, God takes them and he sets them in the middle of a garden, in the Garden of Eden. And it says this, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do two things, to work it, to take care of it. So this is really important when we look at reconciliation. To work it and to take care of it. The word work, firstly, is this word abad. It means work. Also, before we look at the word service, that word abad also in Hebrew is the word that's used for worship. So it changes how you think about your work. That actually this is part of your worship each and every day. So your attitude and how you work is part of how you worship. God, it's one thing to say you love worshiping and raising your hands and singing songs, but your posture and your attitude tomorrow as you go to work is part of your worship. That's a by the by. The, the other word for, for a bad, while it means work, is this word service. So for Adam, while he was created to work, he was created to serve, to serve God, to serve creation, to serve people around him. And this is part of who we are. Our heart attitude is not that we come in a place of judgment, but we recognize who we are, all that God has called us to be. And in a posture of, we just want to bless you. We want to serve you. And we call, we do all of this as an act of service unto you. This word of bad, we serve. So that's what work. But this second word, so we placed Adam in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. This is what it means by reconciliation. To take care of is to cultivate to develop or to draw out something's potential. You see, what happened was that when Adam was placed in the Garden of Eden, sometimes we think that he was placed in this really lovely, pristine garden, and he was there in his right-on lawnmower, just taking care of the front lawn. And it was nothing like that whatsoever. In Genesis chapter 2, I think it's in verses 9 to 15, we get this picture of just the rawness, raw nature of it. It's just packed you just all this imagery and words of raw material and resources, and he was told to cultivate it, to draw out something's potential. And this is what we, we need to realize is that this, in essence, is part of what reconciliation is as we engage in the process with people, that we want people to come alive and to understand their place with God. But we, as kingdom, as kingdom bearers and kingdom initiative people, is that we simply want to join in with what God is doing. And so we want, as we speak to people, that it's never out of a place of judgment, but that as we get to know people, here's some of the things we do. We want to draw out potential from people. As you speak to people and you hear some of the things they're able to do, you draw out the potential of them. This is part of what it means to be a Christian, that you actively engage with people and as you get to know them, you speak life into them and you draw out the potential of them. But all of this being placed in, listen, this is what God has created you to be. He knit you together in your mother's womb and he's got good plans and purposes for your life. Do you want to explore those together? Do you want to, do you want to chat about those? And in a position of humility, see, this is where it even comes with our evangelism. Again, our evangelism that was always looking down at people, this is what it means. Do you know our definition of discipleship, that we follow Jesus in all of life? If we're going to follow Jesus in all of life, this is what it says in Philippians chapter 2. Though he, though he was in the very nature of God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on to. But he humbled himself, and he took on the form of a servant. And he stepped down, and he journeyed with people. He journeyed with, with mankind. God took on flesh, moved in. The message translation, Eugene Peterson, and true to him, he said this, he moved into our neighborhood. 
and he walked and he talked with us. And this is what it is for us as we, as, we, as we bring this ministry of reconciliation to people is that with an arm around the shoulder, we simply just try to lead people back to allow them to see that this is what God has for you. While, while you want to go this way, this is the best of what God has for you in a position of love. And all the time as we're chatting with them, it's not just that we want to see them get into heaven, but we want to see heaven get alive inside of them. And so the very plans and designs and purposes that God has created within them, we want to see it come alive. Because the devil, you can be sure, wants to steal and kill and destroy what's going on in that person's life. Doesn't want to find any dignity or worth in what God has created them to be. And so as Christians, as people who say they are following Christ, it isn't for us just to go into our work, just to clock in and go home and complain about it. We're alive. We are ministering for Christ every single day. So what opportunities are you taking to be able to share? And as you hear some of the stories of hopelessness in people's lives, are you prepared to explain about the hope that you found in Jesus? Because this is what it means to be ministers of reconciliation, that who we are and why we are here is because we have found something of just such worth and love in our lives, but we just not for us just to keep and to stay silent about it. But as the church, we want to bring people alive and share about it. Man, I nearly pulled a hamstring getting up there. Um, we are co-partnering. John Mark Comer says this. I love this book, Garden City. He says, here's what you have to understand. And I'm almost done. The garden was dynamic, not static. Put another way, creation was a project, not a product. The garden was designed to go somewhere. God's vision was for, order, for the order and artistry and beauty of Eden to spread out over the whole earth. And human was the one entrusted with that job to fill the earth with the garden's reality. That was the original design. And while that all sounds like nice words, here's what you need to hear what Paul, Apostle Paul, says in the Bible, in the book that we all say is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, righteousness, blah, 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 all that stuff we believe to be true. Here's what it says about us, the church, in Ephesians chapter 1. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. This was what creation was always about, filling everything with the presence of God. And now how does he fill all things with the presence of himself? Through the church. Through you and the person sitting next to you. And listen, people will say, well, that can't be right. What about the Holy Spirit? Of course, of course, he's still at work outside of the church through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. He's alive in us. He is alive in us. And so that's why, as ministers of reconciliation, all that we have, we now give away. I think I'm in the right place here. Practically, what does this mean? There's people in your work and people in your lives. We gave these out a few weeks ago in church, and it was just to try and start to get you to think intentionally about this. Some more of these at the back if you want them on the way out. But who are the people in your life that you are being intentional about sharing Jesus with? Listen, we always want to look for opportunities, but there's people that you're just, each day is maybe someone you share an office with, someone that you commute to work with, someone that's part of your family, who just doesn't know Jesus who is in a place where they are far off from God, and yet we don't look at that in judgment, but yet simply we just want them to be able to see all that they can fully be in Christ. Who are some of the people that are in your life? I'd love you to be praying about that and thinking about it. And practically what we do with them is how we share Jesus in a posture of love is share the God story with people. So 
I know I've went through like a whole story of redemption. Get to know what the story of God is. Culture and creation and society are telling us a story and telling us it's true. And yet we have the word of God that is truth for us. Get to know the story. And don't be afraid to tell people what the story of God is and all that they've just said, all that God created us to be. Because that's good news, isn't it? All that he created us to be. And that's for everybody. It's for everyone to be able to step into. You share the God story with people. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's that's very different form of evangelism from you're wrong, I'm right to, listen, be reconciled. Return to all that God has for you. It's totally different posture and language, isn't it? This is what we lead in with. Share your God story, number two. Share your God story with people. It's so important that you have a story to tell, release it. I was saying to guys in first service, I saw there during the week, there's been a lot of more shares on it recently. Dixie's um, rewrite the story video, I think it's almost like at 40,000 views, uh, which, which is brilliant. And it's not because he's the most beautiful looking pinup boy in the world either. And when he said, he's my friend, right? So I can say that. Dixie's story, there's something powerful. And all the stories that have been shared on it, right? But there's something about when it's shared, when there's a story shared about what God has done for him personally, how it catches people. And it's not as if it's like a tickle in the ear, isn't that nice because people know him. But there's something where people actually realize, ah, that, that could be me. All because someone shared their story. And in every one of these chairs this morning, if you know Jesus, there's a story that you have. And don't stay silent on it. Just share what God has done in your life. And then finally, just practically demonstrate. I think St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. I think the words are important. Sometimes people have just not used words and they say, well, we'll just try to live it out. It's both a hand. But make sure your life matches up to the words that you're saying. All right? And just practically demonstrate the love of God. So be kind to people. Show kindness. This is what Louise and Nathan have done in Cork. Just practically demonstrating the love of God. For Paul and the guys in the schools during the week, just practically demonstrating the love of God. Paul said this first service. The question they came with and asked is, why? Why are you doing this for us? When people experience the love of God coming alive, that sacrificial love, we just demonstrate it. This Wednesday night, we have an opportunity in church to practically demonstrate the love of God in a superhero party. Who can you invite this week to come along to it? It's an amazing opportunity for people to come in and be able to just receive love. And who knows to start asking questions, but we journey alongside people as we do this. Adrian, do you and the guys want to come up just as we wrap this up? We, uh, we shared this on Vision Sunday. This outer circle is just what we would love to call everyone into. Everyone, every day, everywhere. In your life, every day, there are opportunities for you to face. But the whole point of this, as we round up just... Ne- next week, by the way, is going to be Adoption Sunday. And we're going to be hearing some stories of people who are practically demonstrating the love of God, even through fostering and adoption. Uh, and just uh, the demonstration of, of God's family through that. I'm look, really looking forward to that and just leading into it with some of the guys. But in this, this is the whole purpose of reconciliation. With this, we finish and then we worship. For God in all his fullness, we read this last week, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything, everything to himself. But listen to this. He has made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The picture I would just simply use of this just as we finish. Do you know the story in the Bible of, of the disciples out in the boat and there's a storm that starts to kick up? And for me, it's, it's a picture. I know 
it can mean it's obviously there's different theological applications. But for me, even in terms of this, what it is is like in people's lives with the storm and the chaos and the disorder that's going on in people's lives. See, what Jesus does is Jesus, as he stands in the boat, he stands up. And in this process of recon reconciliation where he made peace with everything, Jesus, as he stands up in the boat, he looks at the winds and the waves and the words he simply speaks are these, peace, be still. And you know, we've been taught this story loads of times before in Sunday school and things like that growing up. The winds and the waves obey his voice and they're asking what sort of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him. But there's something in this it's a picture for us of what it actually is to be part of the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible says this, Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, on the Beatitude. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. In the people's lives where there's just chaos and distorter, you know, we have an opportunity to be able to speak life and love, but peace and truth and to pray for people and to pray peace for people who have never received it. To speak hope into people's lives who are just living in hopelessness. For people who are lonely in this world, man, there's so many of them. To be able to come alongside them. And again, the position of this is that as we come alongside and we journey with people almost like an arm around the shoulder, rather than a finger point and telling them about the judgment they need to escape from, as we come alongside with the arm around the shoulder and we get to know their story and we share our story with them and we relate with them, and for some people that we hear that there's a loneliness and a hopelessness, what we can do is even through our lives is that we can turn them around. We can allow them to see all that they can be reconciled to. In Christ, what was his original design and purpose for their lives at the beginning of things? And this is what it means. This is what God's been speaking to me about anyway. I just feel for us as a, as a church, people might say a lot of things about us. But if all that we do isn't based in love and isn't birthed out of love and a recognition of all that we have is because of Christ. And so nothing that we could ever say about anyone is ever in judgment or in legalism. All that we have has come from him. If we miss any of that, man, we're just, we, we could just totally mess things up for people. And so while this is something that is, listen, it's, it's a pretty important it's, it's a pretty serious thing to say we've been entrusted with a ministry of reconciliation. But you see how to be able to step into it, we just need to keep ourselves grounded. We are in Christ. We come alive in Christ. Each day, I need to invite the Holy Spirit to help me. Each day, we need to be inviting the Holy Spirit to help us to be able to do this. We're filled with his power to be able to do it. And as we do it, that we can speak words of life, declare words of life over people so that we can see people, as Paul would say, reconciled to Christ and see peace of the kingdom of heaven come alive in people's lives. Stand with me this morning, will you? Just as we finish, we're going to sing songs of a well-known song, Befriended. This is what reconciliation is, and restored to friendly relations. Befriended by the king above all kings. But then there's a verse at the end that simply says this, determined, determined, Lord, to live this life for you. Let's, in truth and declaration, let's just sing these words to Jesus. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you for your lavishing your love upon us and for sending us your son. And Jesus, while we're thankful that you have, for all that you've saved us from, we're thankful for all that you've saved us into and all that you've entrusted us with. God, thank you that you are redeeming and restoring us. 
And God, even in our minds, God, would you help us to come alive to all that, what was the original design and purpose upon our lives. God, thank you we're in relationship. But God, thank you that we get to partner with you in this. Thank you that we get to be part of sharing the good news and the hope of the kingdom of heaven with everyone around us. God, we pray for opportunities this week and in boldness. God, may we just speak to people in love, speak life and truth. So God, thank you for this. God, this song and this worship is all for you. Be glorified in it, Jesus. We love you so much in your beautiful name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.